Another solid open. What's the beer tonight? It is a uh, local brew. It is a West Sixth Penny Ryle Pale Ale. So yeah. cheers to that. That's actually ironic because I try to West. I usually don't like West Sixth IPAs. I, I guess what I had and liked of theirs a few days ago wasn't an IPA. It was their uh, sour, and it's one of the best sours I've ever had. Real good. Well, there you go, man. Got to try new things. I know, right? Got to get in there. Broaden those horizons. But speaking of a few days ago, man, I was literally yesterday morning when I woke up, had a beach view out my bedroom window, and now I'm Yeah, in and 30- you were complaining about the drive to me. Like, oh, man, this drive sucks. I'm like, all right, you're at the <laughs> beach, and I'm sitting here, and it's like 32 degrees right now. So I don't want to hear any of that crap. Don't talk to me. Yeah. It was sunny and warm. Hear the ocean when I woke up yesterday morning, and then I sat in a car for 11 hours, and here I am. It's like 35 outside. Well, was, well, was it worth it? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. All right, then. Totally worth it. <laughs> drive, still not fun. Well, but so what did you do this weekend? Uh, uh, actually, I went and taught indoor this past weekend. Oh, yeah. Which is a, a topic for another day, <laughs> another time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. Off the airwaves. We're talking about, we'll talk about that one after the podcast. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> let's just get into it today. So, welcome everyone to the Aged Out Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Fantini, and with me as always is Evan Worrell. And before we get into letting today's guest introduce themselves, hit subscribe on YouTube if you're watching there. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, something I found out I should have been encouraging people to do this whole time is leave a rating on Apple Podcasts. Apparently, that helps us a lot. costs you nothing. We'd appreciate it. Uh, Follow on Instagram and Facebook for updates about the podcast. Uh, We have recently partnered with Lone Star Percussion, and they provide us with the discount code for all of our amazing listeners and audience members. You can get $10 off of any order of $50 or more, which, as we all know, with percussion gear is very easy to do. So the code is aged Heck out, yeah. one word. It'll be in the description of the video, description of the podcast, all that good stuff. And lastly, hit us up on patreon.com slash agedoutpodcast if you want to provide any other financial support. So now that we got through all that. I'll take it from here. I got you. So... Yeah, our next guest, uh, actually, before I introduce him, there are some other people who have done what he has done and uh, hit us up just through some messages on our Facebook channel. Uh, If I haven't replied to you, I promise that I have seen them, and I will reply to you. I just uh, get super distracted, so no worries there. There's a few other people. But yeah, this guy, uh, he he was a fan. He listened to the podcast. like, hey, uh, I'd love to come on and talk, and uh, after talking with him a little bit and obviously just driving back and forth trying to figure out a time we're able to nail it down and uh finally get it going so uh without further ado uh welcome lewis reniger did i pronounce that right yes dude let's go (laughs) (laughs) what's up man what's up how's it going it's going well so you're uh you're joining us from missouri right yes springfield missouri yep how how close are you to the ozarks i I just always think of uh what's his name jason bateman now when i think of the ozarks (laughs) I am in the Ozarks. <laughs> Are um, you? Really? Yeah. Sick. Yeah. No shit. I am, yeah. No. Dude, I I mean, I consider it the Ozarks. I guess it's also called the I mean, it is considered the Ozarks, I guess. So Yes, I am. Um That's yeah. dope. Yeah, man. Is Jason so, Bateman man. running around like selling drugs and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this show? 
No, I haven't. Oh, you all right. Should. So it's yeah, real good. It's like, all right, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it is a good show, <laughs> but that's what's up. So you are you were born in Nashville, though, right? Is that is that correct? I was. Yes. Mm, I pulled that one out. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, uh, I guess just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, obviously, in Missouri, kind of, I don't know, how you got into, like, drumming or music or what your influences were. Just kind of, we'll take it from there and run with it, man. Yeah. So, I guess it, I, I was I was super young. I was, geez, I was probably <laughs> one or two years old. Um, and I can't remember... Um, to this day, I can't remember if it was my dad or my uncle that just randomly bought me a pair of drumsticks. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it was a, a thing out of ram- randomness on purpose or if it was, um, or if like they saw something in this, uh, nine month year old baby that just said, yeah, he screams drums. Um, so you're projecting the aura of <laughs> just like drumming. <laughs> I guess so. Um, and so over time, uh, you know, I was destroying everything with those sticks, um, and not not destroying like shredding it like ten out of ten in achievement. I'm talking like, you know, literally destroying stuff. Um, so, dude, I I would sit in the back of my dad's truck, and I think I literally just put like going down the road. I I put like four holes in the back of his seats, just like. Probably wacky. didn't love that, dude. He <laughs> he. I don't ever like recall him reaming me for it so i can't complain um but yeah uh f- so i mean i was super young uh and when i just started playing drum set i got like an electronic kit you know just to keep the noise down in the house um and then moved you know eventually got like a real a real kit and stuff but yeah i totally grew up in the drum set world um super jazz heavy going throughout high school and stuff um I have a huge love for that, for sure. Um, and I you know, love jazz music. It's so hard, dude. Dude, one hundred percent. It is. Yes, dude. Thank you. It's so um, hard. Yeah, for sure. There's um, so much feel and just like pure timing involved. It's just yeah. I respect those dudes. <laughs> Word. Um, yeah. So went through. You know, stock went through school band. Went through the high school band. Uh, I went to Reed Spring High School, which is about an hour, like right at an hour south of Springfield. Um, and I was on the snare line there for four years. Um, Where is that in relation? Because this is like my only point of like yeah. geography to St. Louis. To St. Louis. Oh, gosh. It would be southwest of St. Okay, Louis. Okay. 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 So you're like kind of on the bottom part of the state. Yes. I. Yes, I am. All right. Yep. Nice. Um, so yeah, I went through, went through the high school gig and all that. Um, and you know, uh, I think my first, the, the high, the high school I went to, it wasn't a, um, I wasn't, I wasn't super exposed to the independent side of the activity through my high school program. Um, but I did, but I, I did get exposed to that side of the activity through it though. Um, kind of in just one fashion, we went and watched Cavi's rehearse in 12. I was, so that was the summer. 2012. That was, yeah, that was the, oh, that was the 15 minutes of fame show. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought, 
Okay. Yeah, it was, was thirteen it? secret secret society? Yeah, thirteen was secret society. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was the summer before my eighth grade year. So um. Uh, so anyway, so you know, fast forward, I go throughout high school, and um, I let's see, dude. Um, I mean, if I just go through it quick, I discovered you know uh, gateway indoor was up here in st louis and they were around um so i was a junior in high school had absolutely no idea what i was doing with my hands um zero idea um went to and i was like oh there's like this really cool drum line like yeah dude i'll audition for that like that'd be so cool um (laughs) so went went and got cut from gateway 2016 um so that was my first experience with the foot in the door. Um, and when you went there, to that I, first audition for like your first independent, were you like watching other people and like, oh, because I yeah. feel like a lot of people have that moment. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think, it, dude, I was, I was, I was so oblivious, bro. Like I really was. Like I, when I say I had no idea what I was doing, I just didn't. Like I could. I could put the stick in my hand and move my hands and play like, you know, some really some like fast, crunchy diddles like all the stock high schoolers can. Uh, and and that's call a, that. That's a good way to put it. Fast, <laughs> yeah. crunchy diddles. Yeah, man. Um, and so, yeah, I learned a lot, learned so much, obviously. Um, and I ended up going to that season I ended up going to freedom percussion, which was at the time an independent open group in St. Louis. Um, is that started by uh, Mike D it is dude. Yes, right, dude. Yeah, I, Mike D I have some great, I have some great tapes from Mike D on summer tour. Dude. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have, I have a really funny one from BK 2019 of Mike D on my phone. Um, nice. <laughs> um You'll have to so, uh, send that to Evan to, for him to add to his uh, judges' tapes treasure trove. Dude, dude will do totally. Um, so yeah, um, I see. So that was my junior year of high school, um, and I was I was with Freedom for four years, sixteen through nineteen. Um, I had the honor of serving. I was the section leader in nineteen. Um, in between all like all my years there, I. Um, I got cut from a lot of drum corps. <laughs> I got cut from dude. I got cut from like Music City, Legends, Pioneer. Man, I got cut from Pioneer. Um, yeah, man. Uh, it, it was like, <laughs> dude, I love how that's I, just like that I, I silence to, after that statement. I was just like, I, yeah. All right. I was processing that. I was like, yeah. okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I had to put it out there, man. Um, so yeah, and then I eventually, you know, I I got a spot at Shadow for 2016. Um, spent my first two summers, uh, there 16 and 17. Um, I'm going to stop right there real quick. Cause yeah. from what I know about shadow, it's kind of a unique setup, right? They, they only take high school kids. Is that right? It's so dope. So they did, they literally just made it an all age drum corps. Like, Oh really? I'm talking like, I think literally like two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. So hip. Cause that. Like no, not being biased because I'm an alum or anything. That drum staff, bro, is it. Like that is a super dope it? staff. Who's the staff? Uh, Dave Scogan is the supervisor, the caption head. Um, and then he, let's see, dude. I think, I think last time I talked to him, he said that tech staff is mostly the same. So it would be, um, 
Zach Watson as the battery caption head. Uh, his, oh, uh, bass drummer from Mystique and Cadets. Is that no. the same Zach Watson? Or no, no, Watson. no, no, no. That's Chris Watson. That's, that's Chris Watson. Zach Watson is the dude to AQ. Is that right? Yeah, the AQ dude, right. Marsh BK. Didn't sorry, Zach. I know <laughs> Zach. I met Zach. I'm sorry, dude. For sure. Zach is so legit. Um, such a good dude. Um, and insanely good at what he does. Um, and then Elliot Humphrey is, I think, going back is one of the snare techs. He's a Monarch BK dude. Colts alum, too. Um, did a lot of did a lot of lines. Um and then, dude, I kind of feel bad. I'm not exactly sure. I know the snare staff. Is that bad? That's fine. Put you on. St- put you on spot. It's all good. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Then went on uh, to Colts in 2018, um, my first world class summer. And then, um, I. Old shout I, out, my I dude, think... Oliver Delato. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He was number one. Uh, <laughs> dude, dude, Ollie was we... my seat partner in 2010. What? Are you serious? Yeah. He was so like funny. a high school like senior or something. I don't, I don't even know what he was. He was really young. Oh had like God. one million years of drum corps left. That dude was really <laughs> good at a very, very young age. Yeah. Dude, he's... Yeah, it was so dope learning from him. Uh, he's so He's so funny. He's such a freaking dad dude he's such a dad um, that's funny because i had to teach him like i wouldn't say teach him because it was not really a, a teachable thing but encourage him not to like fanboy over the lines that were competing he's oh dude there's blue devils i'm like <laughs> yeah dude we're like trying to beat them like chill out <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's so funny um yeah he was super dope um and so went on to bk in 2019 i mean i guess if i'm just rewinding on that that was i think um i i i didn't know like as i was going through my open class years of drum corps i didn't know really where like i wanted to be and um like it took me a while and then um in 2016 like as i was kind of like following drum corps and then my first summer of actually marching drum corps in 16 um I, we got to Indy, we did our one and final run Thursday morning, and then I was like, I kind of want to go check out the BK lot tonight, so I went and watched the prelims lot, and I was like, yeah, I want to be able tonight, um, and then <laughs> I think I, yeah, I watched that finals lot, I, I watched that lot all three nights, uh, literally sprinted inside just to see the show, um, from there, it was kind of just always in the back of my head of like, you know, like that might be a, a goal. So I kind of took that leap, I guess, and was humble enough to make it. And that was life-changing summer. Um, coming out of Freedom 2019, um, I guess I was just looking for a a, a, a new a experience, new approach. Um, it was never anything against what Freedom was doing. It was just like, hey, let's... Um, like, I just kind of want to expand my horizons, um, which is also a huge reason why I wanted to do Mystique um, coming out of a group like BK because they are polar opposites in many ways. Um, I kind of wanted to expand. <laughs> yeah, I kind of yeah, wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I'm nodding my head. Yeah, they, they have some differences for sure. Yeah, I kind of came out of the summer in 19 and was like, yeah, I think this is something I really want to do. I think if I can make if I can make that group, then um I think there's a lot of additional info um, 
that that I can kind of add to to the endeavors and stuff. So, um, like my hands. I mean, that's not a bad thought. Mystique's been like killing the game for like yeah. I don't know what thirty years now or something. Yep, they are and up there. 20, uh, yeah, twenty twenty was year twenty six. Yeah, so. so just one of the very very early in the <laughs> yeah. inception of WGI, just holding it down. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, um, went to Mystique. Um, I was so so I went to Mystique and I uh, we. I was planning to go back to BK for 2020 and there was a really big staff change. It wasn't really anything against the organization, but a lot of the vets that came off of the 19 summer were kind of like, you know, I think we want to try maybe different things or whatever. Um, we were all planning <laughs> to, to go back though, which was going to be super dope to age out at, but how many, um, you know, how many vets were you think there were going to be if the staff had stayed the same? I think for the snares, we well, for the snares, we had only one age out in 19. So we had seven eligible. And I think by the time 2019 was over, that summer was so kind of, yeah, I won't get it too far into it. But that, that summer was like so it for us that we were like, yeah, let's just all come back. <laughs> let's, let's just run, run it back. back. <laughs> yeah, let's just literally just keep doing this thing here because it's this place is special man now um, i'm even more sad 2020 didn't happen because like the blue coats were going to have all vets in their well, airline BK, bk was going to be it was going to be different because mike left. no i'm saying if uh, mike had uh, stayed the potential would have been there to have a nasty summer oh yeah uh, dude, oh what could have been i know yeah we had such a vibe dude like those dudes are my best friends i'm literally i'm going to texas in four weeks to go see him to the snares having a reunion Nice. Um, you gonna hook up with Taha? Oh, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna try for sure. Shout out to the boy. Um, he's yeah, <laughs> I'm thankful for that dude. Um, so yeah, um, I so I kind of you know a lot of those vets were kind of put in a position of like, well, what what now? <laughs> so I um, you know at that point I was heading into my age out summer and I was like, you know. I found my home for the indoor season. I got another year of mystique left, so I'll just follow the boys out to Allentown. <laughs> so I was contracted for the 2020 cadets. Um, and I guess if I'm sharing it personally, like there was nothing against the cadets, but I just over time found that, dang, like I literally find myself as cliche as it sounds, like literally thinking about BK all the time. Like, man, what should my age out summer like truly be like, et cetera. And I, I kind of got to the point where I was like, is it really fair for the cadets if they have this dude on this line that's just like not 100% bought in? And so I did turn in my contract. Um, oh, wow. I did, hand, I did hand it in and just out of respect for the cadets. Um, and I guess, you know, looking out for myself too, like I did, the last thing I wanted to do was in, be in the middle of my age out summer and, and be – you know, not enjoying life. Um, and I think I look back on it too now and I'm like, you know, I, I think I'm okay with the fact that my last drum course summer was with my dream group. Like, um, even if it wasn't, you know, supposed to be my very last summer. So that's extremely, so, yeah. yeah, that's extremely admirable. So make sure I have this straight. They offered you a contract to cadets and you handed it back in and basically like declined the contract before you knew the summer wasn't happening is that what happened uh this was so 
got the contract. I went all through the off season. Okay. Um, I went all through the off season. I, I pretty early in the off season. Well, no, that's not fair to say. No, I, I, it wasn't super early, but it was early enough to where I started having like those thoughts go through my head of like, mm-hmm. do I really like want to do this? And about that time that it got to the, to the level and the point of like, don't do this, like don't do it to yourself was when DCI was like scissors. <laughs> um, so, so they kind of was... made the decision for you then. Yes. Or prevented you from having to make the decision yourself. Yes. Um, I sometimes like, sometimes I ask myself if I would have handed it in anyway, just for the respect of the cadets and myself. Um, and I think, I think I probably would have, if I'm being honest, but, um, you know, it was, it was just kind of a personal thing. And, um, I knew at that point that there was a lot of stuff with COVID going down. And I was like, you know, if, um, mystique like two weeks ago, just came off of a killer Dayton finals run at the regional and we had a great weekend. Like it might not have been Dayton real finals, but if, uh, if I have to end my marching career on the note of how we left it and also getting to march that last year, the Mike Jackson era at BK, then I was, I was absolutely okay with, with it. So, um, as you should be. Yeah. I think hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't march my age out of drum corps either. And I can tell you it's a little bit different scenario, obviously than like, I don't know. It was school and stuff, but, I don't find myself here eight years later, like brushing my teeth in the morning, be like, man, I really wish I'd march my age out or anything like that. <laughs> same right, same goes for right. me. I did my age out <laughs> yeah. summer and I gave up my last two winters of X and didn't do the last two winters that I could have. And I, I honestly haven't regretted it. It's not been right. something I've that I've regretted one of them for you. So it's okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I did, I did what he's alluding to is I did 12, could have won a gold medal. And then 13 was and man then, in the arena, and I just chose right. not to march that, sum- that winter. So I could have won a gold medal in man in the arena, and then if I'd done 14 for my bonus winter, I would have won a silver medal with the Razor's Edge. That was a second-place year, right, Evan? Uh, Yes. Yeah, I, so that's I missed out on two medals. They but... won hands both those years, I yeah. will say. So, uh, um, anyways. Oh, well, moving on. Before we uh, – I guess before we get – I think Mike and I both have some more questions just about BK and your summer and your experience and then maybe some mystique stuff as well. Uh, But before we go there, I will backtrack a little bit now that we went through your, uh, your like history and like in the activity. I know you said in high school, you weren't really exposed to a lot of drum corps and DCI, but I did listen to another podcast that you did on your own where you talked about your private lessons with Ryan Ellis and how, how did you get hooked up with that? I know you said that he was still marching BD at the time. Like, how did that come yeah, about? Dude. And I guess, like... Yeah, uh, so how that went down. So my sophomore year, what, what like, completely... Okay, I'll back up super quick. When, before my eighth grade year, when I watched Cavies rehearse, I think, like, I think about it now, and I literally don't remember that day. Like, so I think about it, and I'm like... Maybe as I was going through high school, I just forgot I even did that. Like, and then I just completely forgot what freaking drum corps was. Um, so anyway, so going through, it was my sophomore year in high school. Um, my high school had an indoor program for one year. 
so I was, and that was the year um, before I started at Freedom. So I was in the indoor program, and at our Missouri State Championships, Gateway came down and performed. So I saw Gateway, and I was like, okay, that's definitely not a high school. What the heck's this? <laughs> so I checked it out, and I was like, all right. Uh, and then that led me into like learning about drum corps a little more on my own. And then that that summer, um, the summer after my sophomore year, uh, my parents and I went to Indy for finals, and we watched lot we. Drove up prelims day, watched lots on semis, went inside for finals. Um, and I remember uh, literally just watching this BD lot. And, of course, everyone knows that freaking 15 line is just awesome. Smoking. Um, smoking, bro. That Oh, nothing better than a BD line on Pearl Drums, my guy. Um, uh, it's been long missed. I know. Don't don't remind hey, me how awesome that is. Come on, dude, it's just mean. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, those dudes are st- those dudes are still. <laughs> those dudes oh, are they're still they, really they good. They still play great. They just they, don't sound the same. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Um, yeah. So I remember. Um, then we got home, and what happened? I think I literally did the stock high school kid thing where I just started stalking people on Facebook. And I was like, came across this dude's profile picture. And I was like, Oh, I recognize that drum. Oh, I recognize that uniform. Oh, that dude just marched BD. Uh, Look at that chin. And it sticks yeah. out. Oh, <laughs> so, like, it's so strong. Oh dude. He's got uh, strong jaw bones. I got to take lessons <laughs> from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think I just, freaking reached out to him and i was like hey i'm like you know i'm just wanting to get into lessons and just kind of wanting to figure out this activity and yeah i took lessons from ryan super helpful obviously um like tons of stuff that he taught me from day one that you know still sticks with me to this day obviously so um shout out to him super nice dude hands for days cool vibe all that um so yeah yeah man I think that your experience and pathway are really kind of like a poster child for what most people should expect or could expect to go through. I mean, there are a handful that like their first core making into a top 12, but talking about you got cut several places. You went to shadow the high school group, which is I think open class. I'm pretty sure with yes, the Colts yeah. ended up making it into BK finishing like seventh place top 12 but just like working your way up went to a high school that didn't really expose you which i think probably 95 percent of the high schools in the country probably don't expose but sought out i think through the the wonders of technology we're able to get some lessons and some information that you just didn't have access to so i really admire that like you're just like i gotta find ways to like get to where i want to go which is awesome um also did i and e dude how was that Oh my gosh! You just reminded me I did an I and E. Um, <laughs> yeah, 2017, right? Yeah. Oh wow, I did an I and E. Okay. Um, I yeah. Need, I need to go watch 20... this. Excuse me, please. No, you don't. Okay. <laughs> here's why. Here's why, dude. Let me go on my tangent for a second. It'll lead into it anyway. Uh, anyway, yeah, I did I and E in 2017, my second year at Shadow. I remember, like, um, 
it was super cool. Like the staff was super supportive about it. Um, and just like, you know, it was kind of just the steal of like, you know, try to write it before we actually move in for the summer. So you're focused on, you know, our stuff and, you know, get some run throughs of it and some reps on it during meal breaks and, you know, just don't make it like a hassle. So it was like, cool. Staff was super supportive about it. Um, out of the snare line, it was just me and then the snare section leader, um, who did one that summer. And I remember on the day of INE, so this is the day before world-class freelance, um, we were at our housing site in Michigan City where open class championships are. So we were still in Michigan City that day, uh, the day of INE. And that morning, we did full ensemble, got some rehearsal in because we knew the next morning on Thursday was going to be our last run. So we did a couple runs. Our day was over, and they had Derek and I, Derek was my section leader, uh, do uh, a run of our INEs in front of the core just to get like some nerves experience, I guess, you know, in front of people. Yeah. And I, rem- I remember I was like super stoked about the way my, like it turned out, like as far as like the, the way I put it together and the way I wrote it, like I was really excited about it. And I remember having just what I felt. Now I was trash back then. Like I was, I was garbage. Um, but in that moment when I didn't know I was that garbage, I, I, I did the run in front of the core and I was like, this is dope. Like, I, I feel like I just had a really great run. I'm ready to go do this thing. Um, so, <laughs> um, we get on the bus, we go there and we're like sitting in traffic and we're in Michigan city still. So our drive was like two hours away. So we had to leave early. We're sitting in traffic and all of a sudden, Derek and I get texts from our core director who's on, you know, the staff bus. And he's like, yo, uh, Lou, you're on first, I know. And just to let you know, our ETA is like literally 11 minutes before you go on. And I was like, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Get the pad hands going. Get the pad going. So I'm like kind of playing stupid amount of eight on a hand. Um I change on the bus. I get off the bus. I get there. I do like, I think literally one rep of short, short, long outside the convention center. Like I just sprinted off this bus and freaking set my drum up (laughs) and did, did this rep. And I was like, well, here we go. And it didn't help that Ryan, Ellis was before me and Bryce Gardner was after me. <laughs> Dude, was, what a sandwich. <laughs> I was in, be- I was Good in luck. between I was in between the fir- the the two dudes that are just incredible at what they do. They so, finished first and second. <laughs> first and second. So um I remember that and <laughs> and I just remember that I just crapped the bed. Every single thing in that run, I crapped the bed and Prospery, Jeff Prospery walks up to me afterwards and he looks at me and he goes, You're a really good drummer, dude. And I was and I was sitting there in my head like I am. <laughs> uh, and so that was cool. He like had a lot of cool insight. Um, you know, you like get to talk to him for a couple of minutes afterwards. So um I don't know how I I mean, I don't 
care where I finished, but I don't know how. He gave me fifth in hands. Um, <laughs> but, like sixth overall. Like, I, okay, like if you dudes know who Zach Wilson is, he's a current center at Pulse. He's a Chino Hills kid. He yeah, is, I think I know who that, he is. To, the, to this day, I, I have no problem man. Dude's a better drummer than me than I ever was. And even back then, me like, too. He, Same. He was, Same. He was, his, he was in his first summer at Stars, and like Prosperi had me over him. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> what, what are you like? Are, are you feeling okay, Jeff? Um, so, anyway, but it was Jeff's super cool. usually pretty nails, but he's, some done, he's done some stuff over the years. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, really? shout out. He was super kind uh-huh. when I got to talk to him. He was super down to earth. So, but that was an awesome experience. Yeah. I thank you for reminding me that is an existent thing. Um, please Immortalized tell me. Immortalized on YouTube. It's on YouTube? Bro, you ruined my night. Are you serious? I uh, think so. I'm pretty sure I found it on there. Oh, no. But usually, I'll usually look all real get quick put for up you. There. Usually they all get put up there. Actually, they're not all up there because I just looked when I was looking at the, uh, the finish order that there's a mm-hmm. kid that I teach in the winter who was 12th on that, and I'm going to make fun of him for it now. But, <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, who was marching pioneer at the time so full circle there getting cut by pioneer for you but uh oh i typed in your name yeah i typed in your name yeah there it is i think that's you it's yeah. on youtube yeah. bro oh my god how many views how many views does it have uh not, not many oh there you go you don't need <laughs> oh, to be worried no one's seen it all right until they listen to Thank this god. and then go find it yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. When I was, uh, I, I never did I and E, so. No, I never, I never wanted to. Yeah, there we, there we go. <laughs> That's funny. So I just had to bring that one back. Um, I guess we'll shift gears a little bit too. I know that Mike and I want to pick your brain just a little bit about mm-hmm. some stuff that you happened that happened over the course of your summer with, uh, with BK. Some of it just by Mike Jackson himself and like kind of the wizard he is, and then some of the stuff as far as like the show logistics and like <laughs> like environmental challenges that were uh, that were showcased um, Mike obviously Dude. for a lot of people who have listened uh, Michael Fantini with me ha- did spend a summer with Mike Jackson but it was also with Tom Rarick Eric Shriver Mike Jackson Roger Carter so yes yeah, so it wasn't I, quite it obviously wasn't his group yeah um, I got I got the I got I got a Mike Jackson experience. I didn't get the full Mike Jackson experience. Because <laughs> okay. I feel like okay. how I would put it. Like yeah. Tom Rarick wrote the book, so Mike wasn't writing. You know, most of the I mean, there were plenty of times where Mike ran rehearsals with the battery or the percussion ensemble, plenty of times like that where he was in front of the snare line for a short period of time. So I still was taught by him, but it after right. watching how BK has been with him running the show and writing I, again, didn't get the full Mike Jackson experience, which he's extremely good at what he does, and that's pretty much all I would have to say about that. Dude. So I, I feel like with Mike and his writing and Kevin, too, um, in the front, that they do not – I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. They care about the musicality above all, and – they will not be afraid to write things that most people would not write. Right. Because they like, I don't care if it ticks for now or like maybe even ever, but this is what I want. This is what I want it to sound like. Cause there's some stuff that is 
super exposed and like super cold attack <laughs> just out yeah. of nowhere. Um, right. Do you feel like that's kind of the vibe or like when he's talking about like the beats to you guys, like, hey, this is like the intent or like this is what we want to have yeah. happen? Yeah, dude, he's he is. I admire what him and Kate Shaw do so much because they like you, you hear a lot of designers and arrangers. I feel like talk about like, you know, Hey, like we are a very musical group. We are a very expressive group. Like we have performance quality to us, etc. But I, I just don't know how many groups truly and like literally tell a story through battery notes like um mike mike would like always talk to us about like hey like this is i wrote this for this reason like every note i put on this page has a purpose has an exact reason to it um do you guys like this is going to seem off track but it's not do have you guys uh either of you listened to the rudimental mindset podcast i have not Actually, okay. not either. Okay, so it is ran by my quad by the BK19 quad section leader Nick Rendell, um, and he just had Mike and Veronica Wicks, who is the caption head, um, on for an episode. Definitely going to, definitely recommend going and checking that out as soon as you guys can because he talks yeah. a lot of he talks mm-hmm. a lot about what I'm going to talk about because I've heard him talk about it. Um, <laughs> so, um, but no, he. First of all, I guess like it, a lot of it bleeds into. Um, it is obvious that him and Kevin do not play the game, um, oh, and yeah. they they don't. Uh, I truly believe that they could care less about winning a Fred Sanford, <laughs> and I believe that they they aren't out to play it safe just to have a higher number on the recap but they are out to support the ensemble in the fullest way possible. Um, like, um, Mike, Mike would talk about a lot in regards to like how they try to approach like supporting, like how can the battery voice not sound like a battery? Like how can it sound like this underlining chord of the chord that's already there? with the whole ensemble, whether it's the front ensemble, the horn line, etc. He wants to um, create one product, one yeah. thing that's one ensemble versus you can hear yeah. all the different segments throughout as a chorus performing. He wants it to be one uniform thing. Absolutely. Speaking of that, like I find his like ability to use the baseline to oh my god. juxtapose like melody and counter melody. Yes. So incredible. <laughs> like, I'm watching, like, are people catching this? I'm, like, looking around. I'm, like, yeah, everybody's vibing and, like, nodding their head. But, like, this is wild. Yeah. Dude, I – yeah. No, for sure. Um, His – and the same goes for I, – I was just I was just talking to uh, – I write for a few high schools. And I was just talking to a buddy of mine the other day who also writes for some high schools. And we were talking about writing in general. And we got on the topic of, of Mike and he was asking me about Mike's approach. And I was like, dude, or what did he say to me? Yeah. He, my buddy asked, why are Mike's 
world-class quad around so easy. And I'm, and I'm like, that is a fair point, but are they? And I guess what I mean by that is like, and he would kind of, he wouldn't talk about this as much. Obviously, it's kind of like a subsection related thing, so he didn't really expose it to the whole battery as much. But the way that I heard some tech staff talk about it and kind of what I personally picked up on it was like the human ear loves consistency. Like, in, and I guess when I say consistency in the term of melody, I mean like, you know, you can watch any bass line in the world play their bass feature and it's nothing and like literally every single note is on a different drum like there is no sustain of melody anywhere and same same with like a quad feature like the arounds are like absolutely off the charts they don't stop crossing over and whatever and there's nothing wrong with that um and that was something mike always and he got the staff to express too is like there's not a right or wrong way it's just the way we kind of personally approach it but I thought it was really cool, like hearing kind of them talk about it a little bit over time. And then I would like go back every once in a while and watch any Mike Jackson book, whether it's BK, BCP, anyone. And I was like, that quad line literally just played like a 12 count roll all on drum one. And they like, <laughs> like what, what's, what's going on? And I kind of think about it and I'm like, yeah, it's cause the trumpets are sustaining one note or the mellows are sustaining this chord that is just sitting there and it's beautiful and it's consistent. So why is, why does he want this consistent sound in one ear? And then the other ear you hear, so no, I love that. And he does, he does such a great job of not to cut you off, but I'll let you keep going for sure. But, I had this thought earlier. I was just revisiting before we did this podcast. I watched the show and then I watched some lot videos and I was like, man, his book reminds me in a way of like great comedians. Not that it's funny, but it does make me laugh out of like sheer giddiness <laughs> watching right. his drum books. But like uh, like a great comic has a joke and then at the end of it, like they kind of bring it back full circle and you're like, oh, yeah. and he does that so often with yeah. like uh, with like rhythmic motifs and stuff like that or like the stick clicks right. and stuff like that and you're just like and just like and it, it happens again and you're just like oh i recognize that it like brings you fulfillment as a right. listener to to watch it and listen to it dude absolutely so, and like yeah, it's pretty yeah, warm. that was always really cool just kind of learning about that and dude especially like being a high school writer like getting to take that that's a that that's something that is so fulfilling to take to you know not steal but like be inspired by for my own high school writing because it's like man these high school quad lines can't play the craziest rounds anyway so i guess i'll use this uh i'll use this idea universally applicable right universe yeah absolutely and so so that was that's always really nice to kind of have in the back of my brain like when i'm sitting there writing my own stuff um and and yeah but and I, I don't know, like, it's really cool. Mike would, um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this anywhere, but uh, when I say that it was cool to learn about how Mike will take an idea, like, he'll sit there and think about how am I going to tell the story, whether it's 
a voiceover. What's the voiceover saying? Whether it's literally the I, whether it's a sample in the pit, whatever it is, he he does that so well in in the voice of the battery to where it's like you actually wouldn't think about it until not necessarily until someone tells you, but maybe until you like hear it or see it a couple times. Uh, but like, there's so many examples, like, I don't know, 2014 BK when the snares literally play eighth notes in the beginning and have the isolated 16th partial that mm-hmm. I remember that, that, that was literally written because that voiceover is saying, I've always heard your entire life flashes in front of your eyes the second before you die. And the eighth note is the ticking in the clock, and the isolated sixteenth is that one second. <laughs> nice. Mind blown. Like, <laughs> like, Nuance. <laughs> yeah. Like he he literally like in twenty nineteen BK, obviously not trying to be biased, just so I can relate to it. Uh if you've seen the show in the ballad, Mike decided to go a little off and send the snares on no man's land over on the five, five yard, yard line. Five yard line, bro. Five yard line. And at the very end of the ballad, the horn lines, you know, stock horn line ballad, they're blasting this chord. It cuts off, and the snares are still playing a role that's going down. And before that, the snares kind of enter with just the most subtle concert snare stick, just low-end stuff that kind of comes out of nowhere, out of silence. And that was representing you having, like, a flashback or a memory where you're just you're just thinking about one thing and next thing you know you think about something and it catches your attention. And, cool. Yeah. And so that, <laughs> that was that was kind of um an idea behind that um from you know from what he would kind of talk to us about and you know there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of um a lot of those things like in all of his books so especially in Broken City. So um but yeah, man. Yeah, I guess that's a good segue too. Like you talking about you talking about that five yard line thing. I had a couple notes on that just of some of those wild environmental exposure moments. Obviously the beginning of the show starts with just those like endo day crescendo rolls where you turn in front field, turn in backfield. And like it feels like every one or like every other one or whatever, like the tempo's adjusting is what it seems like. I know the last one, I guess, speed up a little bit. Is that right? Yeah, so basically what that was, was the horn line, the horn line was in time. The horn line was on hands. The battery started, the the, the battery, we had one person, uh, our, our section leader was watching drum major, and he would dud us in for every single one of those rolls. He would watch hands to dud us in and Mike had a specific count of a specific measure that the role needed to stop by. So he didn't care when it stopped as long as it was by that time. (laughs) So he literally was like, we just want this sound like, like the bass drums are literally playing it with puffies. The role like on the, if you were to look at the sheets, the role is literally at piano to mezzo piano back to pianissimo. Like it's literally so subtle. And he, all he wanted it to be was like, you're listening to this beautiful thing. And then you just hear this rumble come out of nowhere and it keeps haunting you. And 
as long as it stopped by that point, I mean, he would literally tell us like, if the roll's out of time, okay. Like if it's that's not what he cares about. Like, like yeah. literally, watch any lot video from the summer. We go eight and in from the Met for all four of the rolls, and the Met cuts out. Yeah, we don't we don't even use the Met. Like and so yeah, it just got to the point where it was so challenging. Um, I felt very underratedly challenging because. I mean, it just simply was, we got to be consistent. Like you got to, you got to know your muscle memory. You got to develop it. And I hope, I hope all three nights in a row, you're on the same page. It's like so. listening eights, but a roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Mike, basically. From so. what I remember, that, that doesn't surprise me at all to hear that about having like, all right, I don't care if the roll is in time. It has to stop at this point. Like Mike was the king of the formula. When it came to timing stuff, when it came to making things line up on the field, he's the king of like, this is exactly right. when this needs to start, this needs to happen. You're going to anticipate the hands by an eighth note or a, a triplet yep. partial to make this line up. He was very good at that. And I will say too, Mike, I will say that dude does love playing in time. Because the rest of that book, I yes. mean, it was... The rest of that book, besides that opening moment and the ballad stuff, was was on the grid for the most part. Uh-huh. So, um, so I mean, of course, you know, we were stock drum corps, we're in subs. All right, the Mets in, you know, we're getting chunks, repping phrases, but um, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, and I think now that I think about it, for those, if we're going back to it, those first those four roles. The first three were like that. The fourth one was in time. Like, we played it in time, yes. Yeah, and yeah. Then, and then it led into, you know, gridded eighth notes just right on the grid. So Because you out. guys, like, worked your way over and, like, connected to the core and then, like, added on. It was really cool. It was a cool visual moment Dude, as well. Dude, s- someone noticed it. Yes. All right. <laughs> <I feel laughs> well, like hopefully that's... the judges noticed it because right. I watched it once and noticed it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need to. I feel like I need <laughs> to go back and watch this BK show again. It's been a while. You probably, You probably do. Uh, speaking of anticipation, we just kind of before this opening segment talked about it. You like in the ballad, you're over there on like the five yard line. Like, oh my God. I'm assuming somebody's reading the hands, like the coordination between. So the snares are on like the five yard line. Then the tenors and bases are on like the 30 yard line, but further yes. back, like behind the front hash. And then obviously the front ensemble is there centered on the 50. So the environmental coordination there. Was that a moment too, where it was just kind of like, I just I watched that and I have like PTSD of like percussion ensemble nightmares trying to line stuff up, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, so, um, well, here's how it went down, I guess. Um, so we played movement two, um, stock drum corps movement one ninety, booking it, playing notes. Uh, so. The very last note of movement two was a tempo change. Um, and the horn line was so if you go and watch that show, you'll you'll know what movement two is. It's super long, whatever. Uh, then the very end of it, the battery comes literally like we're literally on the front sideline, basically, right behind the pit, and we play some loud stuff with the horn line. We play it, and then it's silent for a few seconds, and the battery just comes back in randomly. Um, and as that's happening, you'll notice that the horn line 
is already playing their ballad. Like, literally, like, they are marching. We're playing 190, and they were playing, it was like 70-something, I think. And <laughs> how, that, how that worked was the battery didn't exist. All we did was play it clean and not worry about time. We didn't, we, dude, let me just rephrase. We did not play that at 190. No, it was so much slower. We, it was written, <laughs> it was, it was written at 190, and we were like, clean? Sounds good. Um, so, uh, so that was happening. The horn line was playing in time the whole entire ballad. The snares do the rippled buzz effect thing, Broken City 2018 thing. Yeah. Um, and then we go over to we go over to the five yard line, and what happened was it was I was the one that dudded us in for the first lick. I was in the back of the form, like when we were facing backfield. No pressure. Yeah, yo, dude. Um, when like when we were facing backfield, um, when we went to the five yard line, we were facing backfield, and I was in the back of the form. So, Mike just like when we were staging that in the very beginning, he just walked up to me and said, "You're gonna hear when the horn line gets to this very moment, you dot the snares in. Like you just like you're not like no one's watching. You open your ears." And as and as soon as you, it'll feel right, and dump the snares in. And <laughs> it'll, you'll, feel it'll right. feel right. You're just like trust your gut. Just, just remember, trust your gut. Dude, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. <laughs> dude, I really imagine do. too, like you get in like your first dome environment. You're like, I, I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to hear it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, about that. So anyway, um, we don't talk about that. So, um, so uh, does that I mean you screwed it up at one point? No. Oh, well done. No. Uh, I'm just being a I dick. Mean, Continue. <laughs> no, you're good, bro. You're good. Um, so I would dump the snares in. We play the first lick. As this is happening, the, the horns just aren't stopping. Like, they're playing their whatever slow tempo. They're being a normal horn line in a ballad situation. We play the first lick, and then we're turned around. So I'm in the front of the form now. So it's not on me anymore. Our center snare was in the very back. So he done us in for the next three or four, 17 licks. However many we had, I don't remember. Um, so this whole entire time, it was the exact same situation, uh, with my responsibility for the first lick. Mike just walked up to Sam and was like, when the horn line, when you hear this from the horn line, uh, like you, you, you done him in. Right. So, um, so that's how that worked out. Um, it took so much time to get it consistent with there was a, a lot of trading off of the snares playing an up and down roll and then the bases and quads picking it up. Yeah. And, yep. and playing that um, 25 yards away. Um, so, you know, there was zero communication between the bases and quads in that. It was, we had to be a snare line, they had to be a tonal line, and they had to, they had to be consistent, 100% consistent with them, whoever was dutting them in had to be 100% consistent and know what the horn line was doing, and Sam for the snares had to know what the horn line was doing for the snares, so um, there was zero teamwork. <laughs> it was like, hey, uh, we're a section, you're a section, go over there and we'll do our thing and you do your thing. Um that's wild too, because in the lot, the the passing of time from the pod to pod seems so seamless, which I'm sure on the field felt completely different. You know, it didn't. 
And the reason oh, it didn't, okay. well, well, and the reason it didn't is it kind of goes back to what I was just saying about like no matter like the fact that obviously in the lot we're literally standing right next to the quads and bass drums. So yes, it sounds different, but it didn't feel different because no matter what we had a specific time where we knew we would be playing and they had their specific time where they knew they'd be playing. So gotcha. like, yes, we knew it was going to sound different. Cause it's like, Oh gosh, like they're like right next to us now and not 25 yards away. But, and then, you know, it worked out cause the consistency transferred to the field where it's like, all right, we know not to listen. We know that we rely on Sam <laughs> basically and no pressure, Sam, love you. Shout out. Um, and we do the gig and go home. <laughs> there it is. Yep. Um, that I can't decide if that is the scariest moment of my drum corps career or starting the MCM show and dudding in the snares for the opening snare break and then running down a ramp. I can't decide which one uh, had given me more nightmares. Well, I don't know if the BK... <laughs> I don't know if the BK thing is the scariest thing for you. It's definitely one of the more ballsy things I've seen a group ever do. It was, yeah, it, dude, it was so fun to be a part of. Like, that's all I really can say about it. Like, that show was humbling to be a part of. It had what a really meaningful message that the members really bought into and connected to. It was, it was hip. It was really cool. I think the whole BK thing is is just an experience in and of itself. Like. When yeah. we would go watch, like we, Mike and I were there for finals week, and we caught BK at the end of prelims night. It was inside because it was raining. And Word. then we went and watched, like, since we caught the end of it, we we're like, we have to go watch semifinals night. Like, we have oh, to. Like, you saw we just have stuff. to. Um, and I think that the <laughs> best thing about the lot experience while watching BK was just that it was an experience that I felt like I was in, immersed in a movie. Like you guys yeah. are doing these awesome warm up exercises. Like the vibe is just flowing through the crowd. Like everybody's bobbing their head. They're into it. Felt, it it felt I'm like sure a production. Must have felt awesome. It felt like a production. Uh, like it didn't feel like we were just watching people play music or, or yeah. their show music. Yeah. It just felt like, like you were immersed in the whole the vibe of the ensemble and the fact that you guys do like one and done reps on the show chunks. Yeah, that was just like yeah. nope, you get one chance. That's all there is. Yeah, so it's like a psychological like builder. <laughs> yeah, man. And no, no, and thank you. Like it was, like I said, it was humbling and it was, um, yeah, it, it was super cool. And I think you know a lot of the discussion like anyone in the activity talks about like the comparison of like groovy lot warmups versus let's put our toes together and play some eights. And I think what people might misinterpret Mike's lot experience as whether it's BK or BCP or whatever, I think they might interpret it as like they automatically hear like these really hip things and they are automatically kind of going to assumptions of, oh, like they're just trying to be cool. But I cannot tell you how I like I can't express how helpful those exercises were to that book. Like and I mean, I'm sure 
any year of BK that I wasn't on or any year of BCP that I've never been in, like that has those, the way the feeling of those exercises translates into the hands and the concepts, like the true meaning behind the exercises, like 100% translates to the way he writes in the book. Um, and yeah, it was, it was awesome. We just, and it, you know, you made the comment about kind of just it feeling like a production and it feeling like a vibe. Um, I mean, they're really, I thought the beautiful thing about it was that we never, you know, the lot was never anything we really talked about. It was just, we're on the bus. Um, and it always felt the same, you know, we're heading in the show. Um, you know, we weren't, we weren't that group that would get off the bus in halves and walk in step to the lot. And like, there was no hugging and seeing friends. Like it was, it was chill. Like, you know, we had some downtime when we got there. Like we, we had some time to go support other friends and other groups. Um, you know, Mike's a firm believer in that. He just loves the activity in general. Um, and so, you know, I felt it really, you know, it eased our mind a lot knowing that, you know, nothing was ever a rush. Nothing was ever a huge, um, pain in the rear, I guess, to kind of get like our minds wired for the lot. It was just, you know, Hey, like your friends and family are here to support you. Like we're going to let you go give them the attention and the hugs that they deserve because they're taking their time to support you. And then let's go throw down one and done and go kill it in the show. Hell yeah. So, uh, it was, it was awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. That's all part of Mike's mastery of managing, managing the mentalities and mental states of his members. He did the same thing at blue coast, tons of downtime, never rushed. It worked great. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. I guess, uh, to finish up here, we'll kind of transition to the last thing you did, which was uh, the last thing that a lot of people did, unfortunately. Uh, so your age, well, not age out, but your last season here, MCM cut short. You had mentioned earlier that you wanted to go for a different experience. Obviously, I'm sure you got that and were opened up to some new trains, new ideas of thought, new avenues of thought from that staff. Were there like things that you guys had planned for the show that you just like never got in because it got cut short oh um when you say plan okay help me define this do you mean like what we already had on the floor additional details to that or like the rest of the show obviously our show uh yeah i think most people's show wasn't done but in they may not since depending on what they're doing this winter too obviously um was there anything like crazy that like you had special plan like man i wish people had seen that yeah (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) i mean and you know i think um i think even just that that's man that season god that was crazy um that I think even what we already had going truly felt really special. Like it felt like we lit a fire kind of early and we were pretty much sprinting with it at that point, Um, especially going kind of through the Dayton regional. We felt really awesome coming out of that weekend. Um, And, you know, we ended up before COVID really hit. I remember it was like we did the Dayton rehearsal weekend and then we had a full rehearsal weekend um, the very next weekend. And I remember um, that was our last time together. But I remember like we walked out of that weekend like, hell yeah, like 
let's like where we've got this thing going. If we don't stop, it's going to be where we want it to be. Um, did you guys, and, did you guys beat X that weekend? Yeah. Yes, we did. I, I, yeah. If my memory serves me, I think you guys did, but somebody yeah, in the about comments, like, check us on that. Like if, two points. It was like yeah. two point two points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I believe we did. Yes. It was healthy. We, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but no, it was awesome. Um, the show, man, I'll never forget like the first member meeting early season when Shane and the design team sat us down and they were doing the show announcement and we're going to have first, 20 gongs on the floor. Dude, dude, I'll never forget. Like he showed us the uni and we were like, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> this, this is super rad. Um, and then, you know, heard the beats, whatever, you know, normal season goes on and, we just felt like it was special, and we did have. Let's see, what did we have? Um, I believe we had like the first draft of the closer on the floor. Obviously, that was never put in public yet, but we had it on the floor. Um, I don't even know. I mean, the season's over. I, I mean, I'm sure I'm allowed to say this on here, so I'm sorry, MCM, if I'm not allowed to. I love you. Um, but we had, like, the first draft of it on the floor all the way up through, like, the final note, and then we were going to have some really dope stuff going on after that last note to really end the show. So Okay, um, cool. In, cool. In cool. case, I'm not going to spoil that in case that gets in case that's a future thing like in case it's incorporated in some other idea of a show right. all right so i feel you um, that's fair that's a fair point was... we'll allow it we'll allow it <laughs> okay word word um no but it was super cool um the man uh so many similarities and differences from mcm from bk to mcm um so professional um very high standard and expectation out of the members, um, staff to members and members to staff. Uh, very, everyone's very holding each other accountable. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really could ramble on all day. So I'll, I'll let, I'll hand it back to you, and you can ask whatever you're wanting to ask. <laughs> but um. <laughs> no, that's all good. Yeah. Sometimes when you get nostalgic like that, you just kind of you get going. And you're like, oh man, we had this and we had this. And yeah, I can see sure. the wheels turning. Uh, I can see the wheels turning in your head about like, ah, I don't want to ruin this. They might use it. So I've yeah. been there, but we had to ask because that's what we Dude, do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I guess uh, I went through pretty much everything on my list except for like two things. One is. Did you have to invest in a plethora of sunscreen on tour? Because you're pretty fair skinned, dude. Oh, man. This man just threw me. Um, <laughs> um, dude, I'll never forget. This happened This happened to our base two on tour also, Aaron Newman. Like, there was this one day where, um, like, Mike, you can, I mean, you know you know Mike, so you can probably relate to what I'm about to say, but, like, he is just super, all the time, just, like, genuinely concerned about the health of the membership. Yes. Like, he's just, like, yep. very, like, are you getting enough sleep? 
like do you have enough food like are you like which is super awesome but i'll never forget this one day during the spring training i was like i had i had my shirt off but it was like around my neck and my my shoulders down lobsters completely lobsters. <laughs> oh and man i'll never forget mike like the, he was like, all right, eight or Taha was like eight and in, and he hits the Met, and Mike in the middle of the Met count off, he like cut, and he just, he just like frantically looks in his backpack, grabs sunscreen, runs over to me, pours it on me, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's like, rub this on yourself, put it everywhere, and he's like, put it everywhere, and Mike. He he called me Red all summer. Like he was like, "Hey Red," like that's, that's what he called. <laughs> me. I mean, he knew my name. It was just like that's just what he liked to call me or whatever. And uh, he called me Bobblehead too. That was kind of fun. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So it was kind of like this like weird half joking like, "Hey Bobblehead, quit bobbling your head." No, I'm serious. <laughs> like, no, for so. real. No, for real. Um, but he's chill about it as always. But no, I'll never forget that. Um, yeah, I definitely um, was always sunburned. Um, <laughs> 365 days a year around him, always sunburned. Um, I don't envy <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, dude, oh, it's pretty man. bad. I'm pretty sure because of drum corps, my nose is literally forever red. Like, it's <laughs> like think it'll ever take away the pinkness and the redness of it it's, Man, it's bad I, I, did you have one of those like um all covering hats like not a baseball cap you know what i'm talking about the gilligan's island hat? yeah like there's Bucket a brim hat. around the entire thing uh, like i feel like that's something you should have just been having on at all times <laughs> just protect my face and neck from everything dude probably yeah i i remember like the uh actually i remember like in the beginning of spring training uh, I think I had, I might've shown up to move-ins with one, but I do remember like halfway through spring training pro Mark sent us a bunch of hats. And so the whole battery was like wearing them or whatever. So I ended up with just a regular ball cap or whatever, but, um, but yeah, so good times. <laughs> I missed the drum corps grind. We all do. I guess, I guess the last question I have is, so you have added, a uh, a collage of tattoos for your your groups that you've marched. It seems like if the Chiefs go back to back, are you getting a Chiefs tattoo like your dad? Oh, dog! <laughs> no, no. <not> I've <laughs> only <laughs> built that up. Just built it up and just pulled the rug right from under it. Just no, absolutely not. No, uh, uh-uh. no. Um, I no. I mean, no. It's it's totally hilarious and a a total meme for sure but i i will never i don't think i'm the type that'll ever get a tattoo unless it's like truly meaningful to me like i go to chiefs games i go to chiefs games all the time i'm a huge diehard fan raised one but nah man go band (laughs) (laughs) well i I can't think of a better way to wrap this up than on that note so i think we got to everything (laughs) Lewis, this has been great. Let me reiterate the spiel. See if I can get through it again. Here we go. 
Hit subscribe on YouTube, like the video, drop a comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, follow on Facebook and Instagram for updates about the podcast, anything else, hit up Lone Star for per- Lone Star Percussion for all of your percussive equipment needs. Save $10 on any order over 50 bucks with code AGEDOUT. It's in the description. Uh, Patreon.com slash podcast for other financial support. And again, Lewis, this has been great. Um, everybody else, we'll see you in the next one. Peace. Dude, thanks. Word. <laughs>